Okay, so last week we discussed uh, we discussed uh, bugs in uh, how they came to be such a more of a problem uh, than our uh, grandparents used to have. Um, various methods for growing uh, vegetables to prevent infestation, different uh, levels of infestation, and what needs to be checked, what you can rely on that you know doesn't have an infestation. There's three different levels. There's you know there's infested. There's a uh, somewhat infested, which is in Hebrew, it's a level called a uh, mute shematzoi, uh, which is a, a minority that uh, is found often enough. That in English would also be called the plurality, um, which is a significant minority. Um, so this uh, level of mute shematzoi uh, would be. Um, things like uh, lettuce or uh, broccoli or cauliflower where we know there are uh, bug problems. Um, and a mute which is things that are rarely if ever infested would be things like a carrot or uh, a pepper or uh, something uh, like that uh, where we don't ever really see anybody, you know, other than a cursory glance to look at it to make sure that, uh, you know, there aren't any obvious holes or things in it. We don't really have to do anything with it. And we can assume that it's uh, it's bug free. Um, after we discussed uh, the various methods for, for checking for bugs, either having mishkiach do it or growing the vegetables either under nets or um, in a greenhouse or, or, or uh, hydroponically, um, we now come to a question of what happens or what exactly is involved in having a shkacha on a bag of lettuce or on the frozen cauliflower or things like that. So um, the best way to kind of have an example there would be, it's kind of like a, almost like a three-way difference. You have companies like Kosher Crops in Philadelphia um, where they, uh, have the everybody there is is trained they actually go to the vegetable markets and they get good produce and they wash it and clean it and check it and there's no hashash of insects or anything in kosher crops because it's washed and checked and there are mashkichim and supervisors um, who are uh, checking this produce the entire way through. You have other companies like uh, you have other companies like Fresh Express, um, which sometimes carries a Star K and sometimes does not carry a Star K, and more often than not, it does not carry a Star K. Um, and uh, the reason for that is, so the Star K, when you get a bag of Fresh Express that's that's kosher certified, the Star K is not on the bag itself, it's in the date code. And the reason being is, more often than not, 
the produce that comes in is has some sort of you know findable level of insects in it and therefore um, the Starkey won't allow it but if it passes their checks they will put the Starkey in the date code this way they're not printing uh, you know late fresh expresses and printing whole packages with the Starkey on it they're just putting it on the date code that gets printed on every package and the reason being is Fresh Express is not going to throw out the lettuce or uh, whatever pro other produce it is that the Star Case is, isn't kosher. They're, they have no reason to throw it out. They can sell it and more power to them. You know, they, they can sell whatever they want. They're, that's, that's their business. You know, they just can't sell it as a kosher product. So what the... And then there are other companies like Bodec um, and Positive and various other you know, companies that have, uh, you know, checked lettuce and they have uh, um, frozen uh, vegetables also. So the way Fresh Express does it versus Bodec and Positive and the others is Fresh Express brings in, you know, at any given time a whole new lot of produce and let's say it's lettuce, and they bring in about 40,000 pounds of lettuce. Nobody, unlike kosher crops, where everything that comes through kosher crops as a facility is checked, nobody's going through 40,000 pounds of vegetables at a time. So how is it that Fresh Express is able to put the star K in the date code? What they do is the mishkichim there take three samples. That doesn't mean they take three leaves from 40,000 pounds. They take three bunches from this 40,000 pounds of lettuce from various uh, points. They don't take, you know, three from the beginning or three from the end. They take, you know, from wherever it is, they take three random samplings. If those three random samplings come clean after they go through the whole treatment process. So they come in, they get sprayed down, they get cleaned, you know, for, for Fresh Express's purposes. And then if three random samples of that are, are clean and bug free. So then the star K will add the uh, star K to the date code that goes on the bag or the, the bags and that lot of lettuce. If it's not, and the samples do not come back clean. So then fresh express just sips it out as regular. Now what this means is that you could theoretically buy Fresh Express with the Star K on it, and you could check it yourself, and that means you could find a bug in there. That's totally plausible. And Moshe Heinemann himself says this. The reason why we can eat it, and we don't even have to check it, is because once you've tested three random samples, and they've all come back clean. So then there's a chazaka. There's a, a, it develops a, a halachic status of being bug free. Now you could, you know, there are companies that will, will take the Fresh Express or whatever other brand it is, and they'll take it and wash it themselves. And sometimes they'll find bugs. And there are other times, you know, and there are times, you know, after, with the Star K, it'll have the Star K on it, they'll check it, and it might have a bug. And there are times that they'll take three bags of Fresh Express without the Star K and they'll wash it and it doesn't have bugs.
all of that's perfectly allowed. What happens is when Fresh Express washes the vegetables and the three samples come back clean, so then that lettuce basically gets dropped down in status. Lettuce, as we said, it has the status of a mute shimatsoi. It's a, it's a, a, a plurality. A lot of lettuce has insects, but not all lettuce. So, um, what, when you clean, when the fresh rest cleans the lettuce and the three samples come back, uh, without bugs. So then the lettuce drops down in status to a mute anomatsoi, which is a minimum that isn't really found. And therefore, you have no halachic obligation to check for lettuce, so even, or to, to check for, for, for insects. So even though there might be one in there, it's still allowed because there's no need to check it. Just like if you ate carrots and you, you know, you gave it across your grants to make sure there's no, you know, giant holes in it that the uh, insects cut through. So if it happened to be uh, an aphid or a thrip on it, there's no, uh, there's no halachic issue with it. Why? Because there's no reason to have to check the carrot. So too, with these, the, this lettuce, there's no reason you have to check it. If you want to, fine. But again, there's no halachic reason for it, and that's why the Star K is able to put their hashkacha in the date code on this Fresh Express, even though they're not checking all 40,000 pounds that come in a load. Same thing with Dole, which, if again, I, I didn't get a chance to look. Um, I got the supermarket, um, but I think Dole has an OU. Same idea. The difference where you get with Bodic or Positive or any of those brands is they're grown in a much more controlled environment. Fresh Express is not getting their lettuce from greenhouses. They're getting them from fields. Fields have invariably more insects and infestation than a greenhouse, which is a controlled environment. So the other brands that have hashkachas, they're getting greenhouse and or hydroponically grown produce, which already is in a controlled environment, which doesn't have bugs. They wash it. Right? They don't put it through a whole rigorous test like 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 kosher crops does or smaller, you know, organizations or, or a restaurant would where they, you know, if they buy a case of lettuce, they're going to wash the whole thing to make sure there's no bugs. But because their produce really starts off at the level of a miyuche enomatsoi, or a, a, such a minimal chance of there being bugs in there, once it's washed and cleaned, so we assume that there's no bugs and there's no halakhic imperative to check for them. So when you buy... Do restaurants, do restaurants have a chigib to wash, to, wash their, to wash their lettuce or that's just something extra that they, they take upon themselves? No, so restaurants have to wash the... I mean, if they're getting Andy Boy, let's say, where there's no ashkacha on it and we know that it's coming straight from, from the field. So that you have to wash. But if you're getting, uh, you know, if you're getting positive lettuce or you're getting a fresh express that has the star K, there's no reason that they have to check it. It has the ashkacha. They can rely on the ashkacha. 
Um, so those, the, the, the positives, so when you, you buy positive lettuce or you get the Boda cauliflower from the freezer, theoretically there could be something in there, but again, it's starting off at a level of Miyuche Enomatsui. It's starting off at a level that essentially has no halakhic imperative to to, to, to clean it and check for bugs in the first place. And therefore, even if there happened to be a bug in it, there is no problem. Um, and this basically concludes the, the issue we have of, you know, produce and checking and growing and whatnot. And before I go into the other uh, topic I want to discuss tonight regarding uh, processed foods and how we're able to eat literally anything on the planet um, when 99% of products on the planet have pieces of, uh, you know, bug fragments or whatever in them. Um, are there any other questions regarding the growing process or the, um, or, or checking for or checking vegetables, not necessarily, not a method for checking vegetables that I leave up to, you know, the local Ashkaha. Um, or you could ask, you know, the OU Sarke CRC. Um, but any other questions in in this topic before we move, switch gears um, and try and finish up this whole thing? No, we're all good. Everybody's on the same page. Fantastic. So. Um, to start with, with this one, with the uh, processed foods, um, want to read a couple excerpts from uh, from a book by Rabbi Daniel Hanen. Uh, full disclosure: Rabbi Hanen is uh, the rabbi from whom I receive smicha. He has a safer keeping kosher in the kitchen, which they're working on a second volume with a workbook, um, which should be infinitely more helpful than the already helpful first edition. Um, but he has a couple uh, chapters on, on bugs. Um, and specifically, one of them is really on processed foods. So uh, just want to read this, uh, this excerpt, and then we'll kind of discuss, you know, how we kind of get around this issue. So there's a, a concept called entomophagy. Entomophagy is the human consumption of insects for food. And in some parts of the planet, this is common practice. Uh, it's not really so common in uh, modern Europe or North America. We don't uh, have this. And I think for most people, uh, Jewish or not, if you, you know, tell them you're uh, munching on chocolate covered ants or something like that, uh, they're going to get grossed out. Um, and for most people, you're, you're not consciously trying to consume a bug. If anything, it's by accident. But as careful as we are, the average person eats nearly one kilogram of bugs a year. I'm going to repeat that. The average person eats nearly a kilogram of bugs per year. That's not a small amount. Bugs are very light and that occupies a decent amount of space. So where are these bugs coming from? You know, and who says we're eating them? Our food's kosher. 
So true, we check our fruits and vegetables before we eat them, and this certainly reduces our intake by a couple hundred grams of said bugs. Uh, but most of the bugs we eat are in processed and packaged foods, not fresh from the farm produce. No one's checking the tomatoes to make sure they're bug free before they're made into ketchup or tomato paste. Who checks the strawberries before they're made into jam? Chocolate bars. Also, you know, chocolate comes from a plant loaded with bugs. And in fact, as we discussed last week, the, the FDA has very specific guidelines about how many bug parts are allowed to be in our food. As an example, an eight ounce glass of orange juice can legally contain five fruit flies. The cautious agencies check the oranges for bugs before it's made into orange juice? No. We have to face facts. All processed food has bugs in it. So how can any cautious organization give a hexer knowing that there's bugs in the food? Right, we, we know, as we discussed last week, there's a total prohibition to eat bugs. Different types of bugs carry different, uh, different types of bugs carry different uh, levels of prohibitions. Uh, bugs found in the water are, have four prohibitions on them. Worms have five, and flying insects have six different prohibitions on them. So it's not uh, not so uh, so simple, right? So if I know that there's bugs, and if we said I check a carrot and I eat said carrot, and there happened to be a bug on it, I, there's no problem on me. Why? Because I don't have to assume there's a bug there. Right? But that's fresh from the farm produce. My coffee or beer or peanut butter, I, I know there's bugs in it. So how am I able to eat it? So a couple things. One, bugs are, are halakhically considered a bria. And a bria has a halakhic definition of a, a whole creation. And bring a literally meaning creation. The whole, all bugs, whether it's a fragment of said bug, or it is uh, a whole bug, is usser. You cannot eat the bug, right? Whether in part or in whole. Where we have a problem is if it's a whole bug. So that bug is never nullified. Normally we have things, you know, a little bit of milk spills into the chillin, right? The milk, as long as it's, you know, nullified, if this chillin 60 times larger than the amount of milk that, fill, that fell in, so the milk's nullified and the chillin is still kosher. By bugs, you could have a thousand times the volume of the one bug, but if the bug is a whole bug, the whole, you know, the whole thing's no good until you take the bug out. Now we do say that bugs have a bad taste um, I've not purposely eaten whole live bugs, so I, I can't tell you whether they taste good or not. Um, but except for the shach, uh, and but again, shach really the shach is really a dot yachid, and we don't paskin like him. We hold that bugs have a bad taste, and therefore, once you remove said bug, the object or the the, the food you're cooking returns to being kosher. Um, it's just if there's 
a bug in there. If there's more than three bugs found in any object, by the way, uh, let's say you're making a soup and you find three flies in it, so then it's it's no longer good because we say, okay, you found three, there might be more. But if you find one or two, so, uh, well, yes, gross, uh, you can just remove them uh, and uh, go on your merry, your merry day. Um, or if, even if you find more, if you inspect literally every spoonful as you take it to make sure there's no bugs, you could eat it. Um, but if the bugs are fragments, right, there's a little legs, there's a, a wing or a thorax, but it's not a whole complete bug. So those, while being forbidden, can be nullified. Now, we have another halachic concept that we can't nullify something that's forbidden in the first place. It can only, we can only do it after, after the fact, if it already happened. Right? You can't, uh, ha you, you can't uh, uh, have a, you know, put milk in the chulin, uh, you know, a ratio of 50 to 1, and then go, oh, wait. I need 60, not 50, and add, you know, another uh, however much you need in order to, to, to nullify the milk. That's no good. So how are we able to do this with processed foods? So the idea behind really any food on the market is you're not finding really whole insects or anything in uh your coffee or peanut butter or anything like that. And if you do, the FDA is going to want to know about it. What do they allow? For the most part, it's insect fragments or little pieces um, that kind of get mixed up and you can't find them. So um, these little bits are not, not an issue because they're so small and it's not, it's not a whole bug that you can nullify them. And even if you find a bunch of fragments, like I said uh, last week in pasta, you can have uh, a ratio of one insect fragment for every gram of, uh, of pasta. So if you have 225 grams of pasta, you can have 225 insect fragments. Uh, the pasta is going to be significantly more volume than the insect fragments. And therefore, you can nullify the insect fragments. Um, so we rely on a few things. One is the insect being in fragments, which you could then nullify. To get around the issue of nullifying the fragments, even in the first place, knowing they're there, so there's two ways to do it. One is we say that we're not allowed to do something like that, but the company that's making the potato chips or coffee or whatever, a lot of these companies are owned by non-Jews. And if we say that non-Jew did, are non-Jews allowed to be, to nullify the Isser, even in the first place, even the Chachila? Not everybody wants to rely on that, which, okay, you know, there's reason not to rely on it. The main reason is intention. When you make strawberry jam or coffee or peanut butter or beer or whatever it is, you don't have the intention to specifically grind up the bugs. You don't have the intention to specifically eliminate the, you know, the, the aphids or thrips or whatever it is. Your intention is to make the jam, is to make the smoothie, is to make the coffee. 
by the process of making said item, okay, the bug gets nullified. But because I don't have the intention to nullify the bug, the intention's the key here. Meaning I could have, take strawberries, which typically have a lot of baby thrips on them, or raspberries, which are notorious for thrips, and I don't recommend anybody trying to check raspberries, just don't eat them. Um, but if I took strawberries and the raspberries and threw them in a blender and made a smoothie out of them or a milkshake, I can do that, provided I have the right intention, which is that I'm just trying to make a milkshake. If I have the intention of, haha, I really want to grind these bugs up, that's where we come, we come with the problems. In a lot of areas of halacha, your intention is the most important thing. If you intend to do something, right, our actions follow the intention. And therefore, when because the bugs are being ground up and nullified and mixed into this mixture to the point where we can't take them out. So if we have that intention in mind to grind them up and get them to the point where we can't take them out, that's a problem. They still remain usher. But as long as we have the intention and I can guarantee you that Smuckers is not having the intention to grind up the bugs to make the strawberry jam. As long as our intention is to just make what we're trying to make, again, smoothie, coffee, whatever it is, so then there is no problem, and you can go on your merry day eating whatever you want, provided it's kosher, and uh, there's no issue with eating any processed food from a bug perspective. Other perspectives, I'm not going to get into, you know, the, the, the health or any other cautious concern, enzymes and this, whatever, but strictly from a bug perspective, there's no issue with eating anything like that. So too with spices. Uh, spices, um, you know, uh, spices could be even better because they're ground up, it's so fine that even if there are any bug, or the bug parts in them are essentially considered like dust. And they're not even considered bugs anymore. Same thing if you have flowers sitting around for forever, um, you know, and the, the bugs disintegrate, so it's considered like dust and it, it doesn't matter. Um, as a recommendation, uh, anytime you buy flour or barley or anything like that, I recommend sticking uh, the, uh, the flour or barley rice in the freezer uh, for, five days to a week. Uh, reason being that keeping it exposed to the cold temperature for that long will kill any uh, bug eggs that are in the flour or uh, rice or barley and prevent them from hatching and creating an infestation problem later down the road. Uh, if you keep, you know, a lot of flour on hand uh, or, you know, you buy in bulk and, and leave it, you know, to sit for a few months. If you're going to use it up at the end of the week, so then, that, that, then you don't have to. Um, but if you're going to have it sit for you know a few months in the closet, uh, I recommend, uh, highly recommend to uh, put these items uh, in the freezer just to save yourself uh, a lot of headache and uh, hits to the uh, the purse um, the further down the road. Uh, and with that, I think uh, I think we've covered. Um, 
processed foods and why we're really able to eat anything despite knowing that uh, just about every food on the planet has some sort of insect or insect part in it. Um, any other questions? Mike, Sammy, Jesse. I want to know about bread that can't be dairy. Bread that can't be dairy? Yeah. Something to do that I was learning in the Yakut Joseph that bread can't be dairy. Like you can't eat dairy bread or make dairy bread. Yeah, that's true. Most of the time you're eating um, bread with meat or a sandwich or something. So what what's the actual halakha practice? Halakha is if you make bread that's meat or uh, dairy, it's treif. Um, and the reason being, bread should be par because most people don't buy bread, you know, with the intention that I'm gonna dafke eat it with this. It's I buy bread, and if I decide to make my sandwich with cheese one day or meat the other day, I shouldn't have any problems. Um, the, uh, the you know, you have permission to make it in small amounts or to make it in a distinguishing shape. Um, that's totally fine. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're, if you're going to make it for, you know, one party, so that's okay. Um, but if you're going to make a bunch of it to stick in the freezer, it's strafe. So you can't make it, but what happens if you buy it? Like, what happens if I went to the store and I bought bread that's dairy? Um, Don't buy that bread? Yeah, I wouldn't buy it. Interesting. Okay. Um, any other bug-related questions? <laughs> or, we're, uh, or we're all just skeeved out and uh, wanting to move forward in life and forget this conversation ever happened. Grasshoppers? They're good to go? Uh, uh, no, because we don't really have a uh, uh, we don't have a tradition for which grasshoppers are good and which are not. Um, if we did have one and you were able to recognize them, then you know, I would say go for it. Uh, if you truly wanted to eat them, uh, even if we had tradition for them, I, I, I don't think I would, uh, I would personally partake. But um, being that we don't, I, I would definitely recommend not uh, partaking. I'm good with my questions. Okay. Okay, so with that, we will, I guess, call it a night and reset the Shem reconvene next week. Um, if anybody has a particular topic they would like addressed, um, or if you just want to have like a random question session, uh, you can forward me a bunch of little random questions. Um, and I'll probably decide Sunday or Monday next week uh, what exactly the topic is and uh, whether we're convening on Tuesday or Wednesday. Bye, nice seeing you.